Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 25, Act 2, Jason Das, Find Your Way, recorded October 23rd, 2019 in New York City. One size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA listeners. Thanks for listening. And remember to tell your peeps about teaching artistry. They can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever folks listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every month. Also, I think you know what I'm about to say. Follow on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You may be on one, but why not all three? We also want to thank you for basically getting us to double our plays in 2019 from last year. What a feat. That's how we grow our community, y'all. And we're so very happy you're a part of ours. Pop those earbuds in. Hey, So yeah, last month I was on a trip in the UK for work and then added on a few more days to explore London and was able to make a day trip with my really good friend from high school as we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for a day in Paris, which FYI, have an itinerary, good. Um, Know where you're going, also smart. Um, but then happy accidents happen. So we knew we were going to go to the Musée Rodin, which is exactly where we made our beeline. We landed, went straight there, and I'd never been. She had never been. And um, the first thing you see once you come through out into the garden is the thinker, which, you know, is like the most famous sculpture ever. And my God, beauty. I mean, in tree, it's just, it's remarkable. I could have, I could have ended my whole like museum excursion right there and just stayed there the whole day, but it was cold. So I went inside. Uh, what I loved about this museum was how it's, it was set up to showcase Rodin's um, life through displaying his artwork throughout, like chronologically as you went up. Um, it was totally manageable. Some museums are incredibly challenging. They're very, very big. There's lots of different content, different exhibits. This was very specific, right? 
it was this one person's work all, you know, mainly in the same place. Um, I was just very, very impressed and I liked how manageable it was, to be honest with you. Um, and then the fact that there's a rose garden and a main garden, um, where all these beautiful sculptures are about. And what I didn't understand, but learned was that he had a commissioned work called, uh, the gates of hell, which was this very intricate, um, huge sculpture, huge, um, and the thinker is at the top of it and he's, um, Dante, I guess. And he's looking down at, at all, all, all the things that are happening and I guess contemplating humanity and, um, the kisses in there and a whole bunch of others. So what's cool is that the sculptures in the gate, which is huge, the sculptures themselves are tiny and then they're huge and peppered throughout the whole gardens, which is, ugh just stunning, just absolutely stunning. So in this episode, I talk a lot about, we, we, me and Jason talk about museum going and the distinctions between, um, some of the work that he engages with and is very excited and passionate about and museums, uh, and this sort of, um, I guess, disconnect, I guess, or juxtaposition of, um, what constitutes art. Um, but yeah, I love going to museums and I know I say, I, I don't know a lot about visual arts, but as a, somebody who's consuming, um, I'm, I'm, I love for it to wash over me and I enjoy these different mediums. And I, I think honestly that the conversations that I've been able to have, um, and engaging with these artists through our partnership with Blick Art Materials, just talking about different mediums, different materials, that that's a thing, um, has really helped me. Uh, I've learned a great deal. And so it, I think it actually impacted in a very positive way, my experience, uh, in Paris. We also, by the way, um, hung out in parks. We went to the Tuileries and had some charcuterie and wine. And, uh, yet again, this idea of, you know, finding beauty where you are, as opposed to seeking it out. Uh, I definitely found that all, all over the place in Paris. Uh, yes. So <laughs> now I'm just waxing because I love Paris. Um, please, please, please. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for enjoying. Thank you for sharing. Um, so please enjoy the conclusion of my chat with Jason Daz in Washington square park. Here is episode 25 act two, Jason Daz find your way. For me, I don't go to galleries. I definitely have gone to many museums. My, my favorite museum is Brooklyn Museum. Mm. I've gone, obviously, to the Picasso Museum. I've gone to the Louvre. I've gone to um, the Met. Um, well, uh, the, the Met and the Whitney, Louvre are interesting Whitney, because they're I, mostly like, just plunder. Like they're just, again? The Met and the Louvre, museums like yeah. that, oh, the, yeah. they're just like treasure chests of like capitalist, Ugh. imperialist plunder. Right. It's like, why is this stuff all in New York City exactly? Right. Like, let's look at the history of that. Mm. And it's horrifying. Um, actually, well, the museum, some of the antiquities you know, there, You know where too. we could go? Yeah. Uh, I uh, Sometime last year, I went to the Frick collection yes, yes. for the first time. And, oh, that was in the story of that, of uh, between, hold, hold on one second. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm no. like... A mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. We're, we're, 
live live we're recording live it's fun um I, I just I also just want to say how impressed I am that you're still sketching I mean it's my job it's really impressive I could I could I don't know how you're doing all this talking and sketching at the same time it's well really I'll say impressive. something about that it's um a lot of people might doodle while they're on the telephone mm. so it, it there's other parts of your brain right um and I'm sometimes pause the sketch you right? are you and, are. and sometimes you know, if you're talking for a while, I might dig into the sketch a little more, and it's, it's good. So, so there's, but um, I, I think I'm actually a little bit intrigued here by trying to have such a coherent conversation mm-hmm. while I draw. Will I draw differently? Ooh, um, and I won't totally know that till I'm done and reflect right. on it. But mm-hmm. um, and even I'm just looking. I've made four sketches so far. They're different from each other. They are. Um, that yeah, that one I would describe your third and fourth. Mm. Are, um, they seem um, maybe because I think e- e- uh, let me stop. Let me just notice. Okay, uh, in the third one, I'm noticing more strong um, graphic lines and more color than the first two, and in this fourth one, um, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's a little bit like almost like looking at it now I'm interpreting looking at it through um, a rainy window because mm. it looks a little more, more smudgy um, the, col- the watercolor feels like it's, it's more present especially in the like more vertical lines anyway that's no, nice. Thing. Thank you. Thank okay, you. Can you do that for my whole all my sketches? Yes, I'm happy um, to. We so can little, we can cr- critical response process yeah. this to death. And it's, here's the thing: it also is it's really nice to get feedback about your work. I mean, for for any mm-hmm. artist, I mm-hmm. think. Um, again, I think some of it to just make it for its own sake is mm-hmm. huge. But feedback and community, I mean, it feels good to be noticed. Yeah. And. And that's totally separate from like constructive criticism. Is just like the acknowledgement factor, um, it, and if, especially if you do post stuff, it's nice to not feel like it's totally into a vacuum. Mm. And that's something we haven't really solved yet. You know, as much as the internet brings people together, I feel like there's still issues around all that. Mm. But I would, I guess, I, I would emphasize aside from the result and, and the impression on others. Just process is really important. Process mm-hmm. over product. Um, part of it is I don't think you're going to get a good product if you don't have a good process. Mm. Um, I think that's true for any field. And the deeper I get into things and the more I talk to people who are really good at it, like, they have a process. And they have, yeah. they may have thought about it more or less, but it's a very real strong thing. And you talk to younger or less experienced people of, of any age, and they kind of don't have a process. They have a result they're going for. Right. And it's like anything goes to get to that thing that feels like what I'm trying to model or the idea I'm trying to get out into the world. And some good things can happen. Mm. But at a certain point, having a strong process, strong set of intention, which is different from having, a, I think, a goal exactly, but a set of intention of how you're going to go through it. Right. Um, is where a lot of great work comes from in, in all creative fields, even, even things like, you know, cooking or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which is not considered an art, even though, I mean, well, is Don't it? they I call don't it know. the culinary, culinary arts? arts? Yeah. The trouble is culinary arts also includes things like, you know, making the recipe at a fast food restaurant, right? right? Where those people might have a great idea, but they can't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why isn't cooking taught in art school? I, 
Mm. I don't have an answer for that mm. except tradition and canon and, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. And it, but anyway, but with cooking, I think the process is very clearly a thing, right? Yeah. It's, um, well, I just, I think I find that so interesting because of, <clears throat> I feel like there's a lot of evidence again, as a, as a theater maker, the evidence has to be performative or maybe video, mm-hmm. but still performance within that's been captured. Whereas there's, I, you know, you can walk away or I could find this sketch book and there, that to me is, is product, um, it, it, yeah. you know, that I could see what the artist was creating, whether I know what they were thinking or not thinking or, you know, whatever, I may not be able to get that. And that, I think that's where I was going with, um, the fact that uh, you know I, I actually really enjoy going to museums um, but I don't have a ton of art history or uh, art knowledge um, the way some other people do and I really go from like what do I am observing is it making me feel something and um, if it doesn't I move on and if it does awesome and some of that sticks mm-hmm. um, and um, I am curious about you know, going for me, going into looking at people's, you know, sketch work um, to see if I'm moved um, or what. what uh, my does prediction move me. would be mm-hmm. some of it you will be, <laughs> and some of it you won't be. Uh-huh. Um, I think I'd be surprised if none of it moves right. you. Um, there's also something very different, and this is a dilemma we have in the. I mean, it, it's great that I can share on Instagram. Mm hmm. A camera phone picture of these sketches is not going to feel the same as looking at the real thing. Right. And actually, one of my favorite things about meeting up with other sketchers whose work I love is when we pass sketchbooks around and seeing the real thing, mm. it's a different experience. And and these things are hard to put in museums, by the way. I mean, there's I'm drawing on both sides of the page yeah. in a 40-page book or whatever. Like, how do you exhibit that? You could exhibit a scan of it. You could reproduce it as a book. But... Um, and I think I like that it's a little squirrely in that way. Yeah. It doesn't fit into that dis- put it on a wall and display it yeah. kind of box. And I like that about it. Um, it would be similar, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't have a great theater background, so mm-hmm. I'm sort of making this up. But somebody who just like does a really artistically valid avant-garde theater piece just like on a street corner yeah. randomly. <laughs> and it's like, well if people didn't know it was happening and it wasn't in a theater, is it real and all that? And I'm like, well, for them it was. Have you ever heard of guerrilla theater? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I did something that sticks in my mind that was guerrilla theater, a friend of mine who actually I did the improv with. We went to grad school together and um, he just sort of was like, okay, we're going to go into two We did it on the subway. Nice. We're going to do, you go into that car, I'll go into this car and, and then, at the next stop, I'm going to come in and you're just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And he came in and he basically was like, I have the, like just walked right up to me. and was like, I have this, this itch. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, are you okay? And he, and he was like, no, it's just really red and really, I don't know. I think I, I think. And like, anyway, we it was just like, and people were terrified. Yeah. Horrified about like this person just came in has some crazy disease and this woman is like talking to him and now they're getting off and going to the hospital like what just happened? And here's the thing, you, you made them feel something, right? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. yeah. And that's such a different experience than they could have in a theater. That is true. And, and nobody else will know except for the people on that car. Right. Well, and whoever hears this. And whoever hears this you now. And you talk about that's it. That's true. Or when you get famous and everyone studies it in college. <laughs> right? But that's, that's how this happens. Yes. So... Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, when you said, you know, how do I display this? Mm. I I recall at the Brooklyn Museum a couple years ago, there was um, a Basquiat um, exhibit that was all all his notebooks, all his sketches. And it was like the notebooks that you could like, not all of them, because some of them might have... You they know, didn't let you been, touch them. Yeah, they wouldn't let us touch them, I think. But there were some that you could actually touch and like flip through. I'm not, I might be making this up, oh. but in my mind, that's what happened. I, I mean, <laughs> that sounds great, and I have trouble believing that's what well, it was. Now, I, you would know better than me. There are some, there are better quality reproductions and worse quality reproductions. Yeah. Um, and there are artist sketchbooks that have been published and I actually like I have a zine I published of, of observational sketches mm-hmm. I also have some more artsy slash comics zines that I make and I love those because they're cheap and easy to make yeah. and like it's different from being like here's my $25 book it's like well no here's my $3 zine um, or this was cheap enough for me to make I can give it to somebody for free and not feel right so that's another form of, of art making I think is important um, but still a little different from just sending someone a link on the internet right yeah there's because I also love I mean like especially for music now like you can just put something up on YouTube SoundCloud Bandcamp yeah. I mean that's amazing to me like growing up it was like no you had to press a record yeah um, you could dub some cassettes I but mean we're making a podcast in a I mean like I, I got two microphones and a recording right. device and, I, and we're on SoundCloud <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. And, and people all around the world can hear that mm-hmm. instantly and that that's so I, I love living in that part of the yeah. modern world um, I don't think we solved all the problems that come with it by a long shot but no. That that part is amazing. Um, so so let's go there. Let's yeah. talk about like what's 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 the future of sketching or urban sketching. Like where do you want where do you want the movement to go? Well, whether I want it or not, a lot of it is going towards digital sketching. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people doing work on iPads and the like, mm-hmm. and those are getting better and better. I'm intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy that. Like I said, this you know. You can get a sketchbook for dollar twenty-five and a free pen. That's a lot different from getting a like iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil. Right. Um, so I think this sort of barrier to entry, but that's going to come down. I mean, smartphones used to feel very exclusive, and now you just kind of assume people have one. Mm-hmm. Um, internet access at all, like at least in New York City today, like it's kind of most people can get online somehow. That didn't used to be the case worldwide. It's still not the case, but that stuff's getting more and more accessible. Um, so, but that said, I kind of like when my pen malfunctions, something weird happens on the page. Yeah. And there's not a and digital version happen. of that. Oh, it, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> so I almost, I don't want to say I choose broke, broken materials, but I choose stuff that lets me be on the edge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, same with, with music or something, when you have a certain amount of distortion or something, or a certain amount of natural reverb, where then you work with that mm-hmm. um, versus doing everything where you're digitally modeling it to your choice. Um, or animation, right? The, the hand-drawn animation versus something where you're building everything up from the math. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's all good. I don't know. I don't know if I understood what you just said about animation oh, building from the math. Yeah, I mean, if I, we think digital animation at this point can be photoreal. 
Yeah. And it's you build it around sets of rules of how f- the physics of everything works, how the light works, how each thing can move. And that's amazing. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very different from sitting there with the transparency in a light box and drawing 500 versions of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and different things will happen. Or something like, you know, claymation or, you know, or stop motion. Different things happen with that than with the digital tools just just because because of the process right it's the process versus product again mm. so i hope we don't lose all the old processes just because there's cool new ones i don't think we will but it is starting to happen in urban sketching mm-hmm. in observational drawing you go to a figure drawing session in new york which i, I like to do that too um and that is that, like a human figure yeah that's like a naked person okay. standing there for a fixed period of time and a bunch of us drawing them that's, that's one of those weird arbitrary traditions i've bought into for some reason that i, I like was it. just gonna say i feel like you um it well, works for me i don't know you know that takes me back to you know what you were saying very early on uh in this conversation around private lessons and what the model of that could look like for visual mm-hmm. arts and that you do private lessons that takes me all the way back to like being in a class mm-hmm. in elementary school and um you know not feeling like my artwork was the at the strongest levels mm-hmm. and sort of feeling like oh well then i this clearly this isn't for me mm-hmm. um uh, and i've said a couple times here that like oh i'm not is that sad i find that sad too um i do doodle a lot i notice i make a lot of patterns when i Mm -hmm. when i do but i have no like you know understanding of technique or anything anyway i i feel like you you intrigued me by the how could a private lesson actually push me or challenge me in, in positive ways to create in a medium that just, you know, sort of escapes me that, uh, you know, doesn't, isn't like an, an, an doesn't feel supernatural, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also I stopped at a certain point. Right. F- feeling like it was for me. And that's very, very common. And I think the way our educational system is, the way our, our culture is around art encourages that. Yeah. Same with, you know, people who can sing or um, people who are good at sports. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, imagine if people who are bad at sports still kept exercising yeah. and how good that would be for everybody's physical health. Uh-huh. Like we know this, but it still seems to be so hard to get that into the culture. Yeah. Um, there's this sense of at a certain point, if you're not going to be top level, you shouldn't bother. And but that, and that does, like that, that seeps down into the kids too. Like if I'm yeah. not good at this and I, I'm going to stop. And there, I think there's also, do you find this, that, that, that product, that product versus products, sorry, process versus product, um, concept is really hard for kids to cap, uh, understand. Yes. Because it is, there's, there's so much. Uh, product that is thrown in their faces right, on a regular right. basis that they don't necessarily know that it takes actually a lot of time to get to that place. And there's also, and I have not studied like child know. development for real, but mm-hmm. when I've, the little bit I've got is like, okay, there's just certain phases of development where like people become obsessed with rendering details correctly or, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've, something I've struggled to get some children especially to believe me on um, is that you can think on paper. You don't need the idea first. Just start drawing. Mm. Something will happen. Follow that. Yeah. It might not come easily, but it might not be a complete solution. Yeah. But this idea that you need a complete amazing concept before you can start working 
it's absolutely not true. Mm. Um, and yes, that's that's improvising. But for me, so much of my process is improvising. Mm. Um, I also think it's true. I mean, you hear this from writers all the time. They're like, just write. Yeah, doesn't like matter. You know, of consciousness just yeah, right. Stream of consciousness just yeah. right. So stream of consciousness drawing, I think, is is huge, and mm-hmm. people should do it more. When you combine that with observational drawing, well, that's what I'm doing here. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, here was four people in a couple of trees. I didn't know. I didn't plan this out ahead of time. Yeah. I started with one figure and I took it from there. Mm-hmm. It would not be impossible to plan it out ahead of time, but mm. that's not how I did it. And I didn't need to. And if I had to, I couldn't have done it while having this conversation. Right. So I think this, this trusting that improvisation is acceptable, um, and I guess having a little confidence in your editing process that if something bad happens, you're not going to be stuck with it in a bad way. <laughs> that's I think a, that's ooh, important. Let's talk about that for okay. a second. Because I, okay, so recently, where was I? I was teaching a, I was teaching a course, not a course, sorry. I was teaching a workshop where we were making kites mm. and they had to draw, draw on the kites first. And there was a concept that they were drawing from, which the concept was what what's your medicine what's the, what are some things that make you anxious or make you um, ha- feel chaos internally okay draw that on one side okay and on the other side what's your medicine what helps you to sort of either deal with the things that make you feel chaotic or what are the things that you have inside you that can help mm. calm that chaos draw did people have an easy time with that? It took time. It took time to get that, and and yeah. and we had built up to that. That was the okay. final. Call. Had they already <laughs> the, named some? So things they had. Yeah. Like, so we okay. talked. Talked. Thank you okay. for asking me about my scaffolding. Yeah. No. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So that, we. That like a it was a post-show survey. I mean, a pro, okay. what is wrong with me? The it was a post-show workshop. So we were debriefing on the or reflecting on the show itself, and there was a moment where the protagonist. Um, was dealing with a manifestation which was in the form of a demon mm. uh, of chaos and what what did this character have to um, quiet that chaos and it was her voice okay um, and and so that was the the concept was could we identify what is what makes us feel chaos chaos mm-hmm. it could be external or internal um, and what are what's our medicine or what's the thing that will help calm that chaos mm-hmm. and that also could be the idea hopefully it was internal but that it could be something that could potentially be external mm-hmm. so the kids took a long time to make those uh, drawings before ever getting to the cutting piece mm-hmm. and we built in that time but what I noticed is um, one it was it was lovely because it was an expression of self but also it was communal because we were all doing it at the same time yes, yes. and there were a handful of, of kids who said I made a mistake and started to crumple yes. up the paper yes. and um, I was like well we don't have extra so if you feel like this isn't quite what you had in mind when you started how can you make it work mm-hmm. how can you figure out how to pull it into the space that you wanted to create um and that's helped for that helped for a few a few of them not all of them but i think that that i that concept of like the the there's like interesting things that can happen from a mistake that that's a hard concept for kids it's a hard like concept the, for adults uh, yeah. it sure is um and it's a, something that one needs to practice i don't think it's hard for little kids I don't think it's hard for three-year-olds. Not for, no. So for, I think yeah, three, four-year-olds, they could taught. get it. Yeah. Um, I think kids are, 
um, pushed towards certain standards. Yeah. I think, and I mean, it's, so, I think, self-reinforcing within child culture, too. Mm. Like, I think, I don't, I think other kids shame kids a lot. Uh, other kids what? Kids shame kids. Shame. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if there is a free-spirited child, they are going to get trouble for it yeah. from, from their peers as well as from adults. adults. So, right. I don't, I don't want to say that, like, adults are, like, making it happen entirely. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so... I yeah. I think it's hard for for everybody. I think it's hard for kids. I think it's hard for adults to to embrace mistakes, to embrace error. I think it can be taught in the. It can be modeled, and it can be yeah. in a class context where you get to push them a bit. You get to tell them you're doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, since drawing doesn't seem like it's a time-based art making. Mm. Um, people think, well, I'll start over, I'll get a new result. But if you make, if you embrace the time-based aspect, the fact that, so you can do time drawing exercises. Mm. What if they had to draw their their demon in one minute? And then what if next they had to draw their demon in 30 seconds? Like, mm-hmm. suddenly that's a different kind of energy happening. Mm-hmm. You do a few of those, then they... And what if they then had to do a planning sketch of their demon of what they're going to do on the kite before they start drawing on the kite? Mm. There's ways. Yeah. But they're scaffolding for just that part, too. Just that part, yeah. Um, And I have to say, I feel like this assignment, like, I don't know what all the talking was beforehand, but, like, I would choke. You choke? That's the kind of, that's where I'm saying I don't have ideas. Like, I don't think in those kinds of but concepts I, but, uh, well, so that's the I thing is that they had they the had a pretext happen. okay the show was the pretext so they so we debriefed that yeah so it got to now let's apply that same con- if we are all like this main character what's the thing that ma- like what made her feel chaos it was this demon which was really representative like chaos in the world they but drawing the demon or they i mean the idea was that yeah that they were cr- they were I guess what we were trying, to, you know, we're getting into like, um, but what we're, what we were trying to say was like, if we are all this character or we are like her, mm-hmm. we all feel chaos and that can come from a lot of different places, but we also have the ability to not just succumb to that chaos but deal with it Mm -hmm. and that can look a lot of different ways so that was that was the idea was that we have our we are our own medicine essentially Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to to identify it so a lot of the kids were writing things like um, sometimes I get really anxious when I'm in the dark Mm -hmm. right and so sometimes like the it was a very simple like practical thing like I have a nightlight (laughs) or I sing myself I sing myself songs you know like there was just like some sort of tool to that they were or strategy that they were identifying that helps to deal with that particular struggle so I want to talk about this word chaos cool because I think and I'm not saying this is the uh, meaning it had in the the context of what you're you're talking about but Mm. I love chaos. Mm. Chaos is, is my pen malfunctioning. Chaos is me not knowing who's going to walk by while I'm making the sketch. Mm. Chaos is me not knowing where our conversation's going next. Mm-hmm. Chaos is the real world. And chaos is, is me not having to have a concept before I begin my work. Um, and, I mean, improvisation, when it works, right, that's, it's sort of lining stuff up and then 
you hit go and where's it going to go next? Well, that's, that's a chaos process, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that. And even the things I'm drawing, I mean, the shape of a tree mm-hmm. that you can model that that's a form of chaos in the, mm-hmm. in the positive sense, right? Mm-hmm. In the constructive sense. Mm-hmm. So I really am into the idea of, of, of chaos in the, in the positive sense where mm-hmm. I'm using it as, as, as freeing, but also as realistic. There's, there's not two sides to every story. There's unlimited sides to every story, right? There's the world. I mean, people who get into like time too. It's like anything, anything could happen. Mm. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next. We can control some of our role within it, but like, we're just here to ride it out. And our art making is part of our process for that. Um, but trying to exert control over it, that doesn't appeal, that doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't in, in like a political sense, right? right? I yeah. mean, the, the in- inequities of the world is something we should try to influence control over. But mm-hmm. um, again, who's going to walk by? What noise is going to happen? Is a bird going to poop on me? No, that's just life in the world. Is a rat going to run up That's my the beauty jeans. of being alive to me. It really is. Um, that has been my yeah. thought process for much of our conversation yeah, today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're probably not, so it's okay. Hopefully, hopefully right? they have definitely been rustling behind us. Yeah, well, they, we're, we're in their home. We are. We are right? in their home. Uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. And I, here's a, I think animals get this. They go through their life, for the most part, not really building culture in the sense we've been talking about. Yeah, they're getting through day to day. They're totally. worrying about their their moment, maybe their season, maybe their migration. Mm-hmm. But that's as big as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and we come from that. We still have that. Yeah. Um, and there's this sense that no, everything has to lock into this like centuries of human progress, like you learned about in school, and really I want to push back know, against have that. Have we? Have we progressed? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, uh. actually, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I think in most cases, yes. if you look and be like, would this person be better off 500 years ago? And the answer is usually no. Mm-hmm. I, d- I do believe that. Yeah. Um, which, which is not to say we don't have a lot of work to do. We have work to do. There's no doubt. Um, I- I'm getting a little chilly. Yeah. How are yeah. you? I'm, I mean, I'm fine, but I'm also, you know. <laughs> One thing I, I want cold. to throw out there, this, this, <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, when you asked where I taught, I forgot yes. about a very important place. Please. So someplace else that I teach um, is online through Sketchbook School and the school with a K. What? Just um, and what's been amazing about that is I don't I don't really get one. It's not one on one with the students. Mm. I'll record a lecture and then six months later it goes out on the internet. But oh. people all over the world get to do it. They build community with each other mm. around my lessons. Mm-hmm. I'm usually totally embarrassed about not what I had to say, but about the art I made. And some of my, a lot of my teaching there becomes about process mm. instead of product, because it's about how am I sketching this and why am I sketching this? Is the drawing any good? That's not that important. Mm. And people have trouble with that lesson. And these are adults. Mm-hmm. They know they want to draw the perfect looking this and that. And I was like, well, right. then you just go copy someone else's drawing. Right. I want to help you find a way of being while you sketch. And I found actually the online lessons work great for that. Mm. Um, and Sketchbook School, actually doing the podcast reminds me of it a little bit. They set up all the stuff. 
I just have to go in there and be me. And then they edit it and it turns into something. <laughs> uh, so that's been a neat experience. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. See, I feel like that would be a nice, easy entry point for me. They got I, some free lessons up there. Yeah, okay. I'm going to check it out. It out. It definitely out. check it out. This is also reminding me of the last time I really like made a piece of art. Um, <clears throat> so I have a cousin who he is a visual artist artist um he paints and he also does mosaics mm. um and i was visiting him a couple years ago and we did like there in his apartment complex which was huge in maryland like a huge complex i mean um they had like an artist committee or some sort of committee that was like a community-based committee where they had committee <laughs> where they had um like a wine art and wine night and the concept was that you could choose some sort of, um, uh, I don't know what they were, but I guess they were like images, but they had like nice paints, nice canva canvases, canvai. That's what I was going to say. Canvi. That's not a word. Canvases, um, like, you know, eight, eight and a half by, I think I mean, only eight and a half, like tabloid size. Okay, yeah. uh, eleven by fourteen. Yeah, I think, think that I think that's yeah. what they were. Um, anyway, so you could choose from all these different landscapes essentially, and I chose uh, um, a lighthouse, and it, it it was the first time I had painted anything in a very very long time. I can't tell you what kinds of paints they were, but they were brushes and paints. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I still have this in my house. And my cousin chose to make something completely different that was not on one of the choices. He made a turtle, uh-huh. um, and it was beautiful, and he gave me the turtle. Um, so I have this turtle, and I have this lighthouse scenescape. And mine, in my opinion, as I uh, give it some critique, um, it felt very cartoony. Okay. Um, but I was really proud of it because it was better than I thought I was capable of doing even though I had the image in front of me. Well, I was say, and it, it still feels like yours? Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. 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 And in some ways, if you had done it more accurately, it would be less yours. Mm. Because what's yours about it was your interpretation. And actually, the fact that you didn't know what you were doing, that's the chaos element, mm-hmm. right? So in some ways, it becomes, I, th- I think it becomes more a personal expression, which is the art part, mm-hmm. um, the further it gets from the model. And if you would just accurately reproduce Mm. that lighthouse as a professional should, there would be nothing of you in it. It would be pure craft, no art. No art. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. We need need craft, too. Um, So... So wait, can you... That's... Craft, not art. Can you distinguish that again for us? Yeah, I mean, crafts... I hate saying craftsmanship, but, like, craftspersonship... um, um, is you know making something to serve a purpose that has an aesthetic and doing it well Mm. but your work is potentially interchangeable with somebody else's and that's the point um so like you know really high-end handmade stuff actually a mosaic artist is a good example if you're making your own vision that's one thing but if you are making somebody else's art Actually, this is huge in, in big-time art now, fabricators, mm. right? I mean, most artists who make large art don't make their own work physically. they got a team of people who work right, for them. Right. Um, and somebody like Jeff Koons would be a very famous example. But there's, 
like most of the artists, they, they are not doing everything with their own hands. And certainly mm -hmm. in history too, I mean in the Renaissance, right? Mm. Michelangelo type people, they, they had a studio of people who did a lot of the work for mm -hmm. them. So those are craftspeople more than artists. Um, uh, even though they're working in an arts field, whoever makes, I mean, the MTA has these wonderful mosaic yeah. art in the stations. I don't know if the people who are, the companies that make those, are they acting as artists or craftspeople? They're working f for the artist's vision, right? Um, and it, it, the line can blur. Um, you know, imagine a, a factory of people churning out like hand-carved wooden bowls. Yeah. They're maybe not supposed to put too much of themselves into it, gotcha. right? And then yeah. there's other contexts where somebody's like, "No, I am like a wood turner with a vision, and I do it this way, and that's about me." Right. So, and yeah, back to the mosaic example. If you just need to tile someone's bathroom, doing that right—that's high-level craftsmanship. Mm. It's not art, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need, yeah. yeah, we absolutely need craft. <laughs> Gotcha. Um, and I, so here's the thing. I, I think at a certain point, you need enough craft. You need enough just hard skills to support your art. Mm. Somebody with an amazing creative vision but no skills is in trouble. And this is especially in something like music. It's like yeah. a great improviser, they need to learn a bunch of just chops first. Mm -hmm. not, or maybe not first, but in addition yeah. to support their improvisation, to support their creativity. Right. Um, that's that's all I mean. Okay. Yeah. That that's a thank you for that. Um so winding down, mm. how are you feeling about your your pieces that you've developed here? Let me take a look back. Let's let's. Um, I okay. also like this now becomes potentially sort of a sequential mm. telling a story. I mean, if we even took captions from what we talked about and applied them to these drawings, oh. It's actually a really good idea. We can do Let's it. Let's do that. Let's but do that. <laughs> if, if we had done it, if we had thought of that first, yeah. it would have come out different. No, that's true. Both the talking and the drawings. Mm. So I like that I only thought of that now. <laughs> so, okay. So we start. My first drawing feels very, I don't, I don't want to say stiff, but I feel like I'm trying to like fill the page with the composition. It's clear what's going on mm. and all that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I start, the next one, I think I realized I was partway through and I was like, no, it looks, it looks good that way. So I stopped. Yeah. So I think this idea that sometimes the unfinished work is 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 the work. Um, so it, it's more simplified. It appears more designed, but actually it's just an earlier stage in the process interrupted. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, I got into more. I wanted to process the light and the color yeah. more than the shapes. Mm -hmm. um, but then the shapes creep into, and these two have an interesting conversation with each other. Yes. They're not one scene but they almost feel that way. I, that's what I thought it was originally um, until you said, I've done four. I almost four. And I wish like, oh. I had like lined them up, but no, the, you know, they're, the benches are down I, here. I also really love that guy. Is he sleeping or is he just sad? I don't remember. I don't know. Who knows? And, and I like, there's something, there's something really interesting about the shape of his body mm. or the positioning of his body, but the fact that his, ha his hand is on his face or yeah, he was resting. Is, yeah, yeah. It, it's starting to tell a story. And I don't know what's on his head, by the way. I think that's accurate as mm. to the shape, but I don't mm -hmm. know if he had weird hair or it was a hat mm -hmm. or what. I drew the shape and then he was gone and, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm left with. Yeah, and in terms of, I just want to say in terms of drawing figures, mm -hmm. like getting the asymmetry, that's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Symmetries, like 
building's just a little different. Like right. they, there's, they're often they're symmetrical, symmetrical in some yeah. ways. They're square. <laughs> um, but for living beings, finding the ways they're asymmetrical, the ways they're lumpy, that's where the good stuff happens to me visually. Yeah. So if I can convey some of that gesture, mm-hmm. um, that's good. And then this last one I did, yeah. also very unplanned as I went, mm-hmm. started out with one figure, I added a few more, um, realized I could spread it to two pages. This one is intentionally two pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I like it a lot. I don't think I could have sat down and did well, this first. Interesting. This one, because we have had quite a few passerbys, this one I feel the movement. Mm. I feel the, like that person in the front is definitely walking past. Yeah, and, and, and there's yeah. also a story that's being told there. I think this was, I mean, I'm thinking about this after the fact, but okay. my effort to engage with the movement because mm-hmm. these other ones are just people sitting there yeah right or buildings in the, or trees mm-hmm. and this was me being like well actually most of what's around us is people moving mm-hmm. they're going too fast to draw them in detail mm-hmm. there's ways to cheat on that which yeah. i won't get into but mm-hmm. what if i really just get what i can see which it's almost this sort of silhouette type shapes mm-hmm. but that goes with the light and the mood and then put in enough of the background to set a stage but not get into anything in detail yeah nothing is detailed in this drawing but because everything's in perspective and has a sense of motion and has a sense of mood and has a sense of light, for me it works. Yeah. So. It's nice. Thank you. It, I mean, I think that in you know this the span of this conversation, the fact that you were able to make five is that five? Uh, I think so. Five yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different pieces is really um, exciting. I, I no, I agree, <laughs> and that's why I'm like people should just do this. I mean, yeah. I know it doesn't work for everyone, and I'm these might be better than I would get if somebody was like, "Here's a nice studio, hang out for the day, and make mm. some art." Like I'd like to think I'd pull that off too, but to some degree, this is how I'm comfortable working. It's, it's like, would you recommend? I mean, I feel like you said you made a couple of like, "Hey, listeners, do this, do that," yeah. but would you? Would you? Would you recommend or make a suggestion that, like, if you're really comfortable in creating in a specific space, just to, like, change it up, whatever that means to them, just to see how that um, engages your process or re-engages or changes your process and what that yields? Yeah, that sounds good. I think changing any variable or stay in your comfortable space but change something about your materials, Mm. um, change the people you're around, change if you always listen to one kind of music or one kind of podcast, like change that up. See, mm-hmm. and, and to try to pay attention to what's different um, and to embrace what's different, mm-hmm. at, at least in the moment, embrace what's different mm-hmm. um, because you're doing it as a learning experience. You're yeah. not necessarily doing it because you're going to get an amazing new piece every time. Right. You're doing it to stretch yourself. Yeah. So I actually, one of the lectures I recorded for sketchbook school was like, why you should make bad art and it was basically about how you have to just you got to try some new stuff you got to break some stuff and you have to learn from it and in the in the process of doing that you will make bad art and that can be really constructive Mm -hmm. also sometimes good art happens when you're not expecting it yeah it also helps you just build a thick skin when you when you make a bunch bunch of bad art and get used to it then when things don't go well other times you're like yeah whatever you shrug it off right so i'm kind of into just that resiliency factor Mm -hmm. and i think the 
more you shake up your comfort zone, the more resilient you become. And that, I'm into that. But look, my thing is, I don't have a comfort zone. Oh. I want to be, no, I mean, in terms of like the physicality, like I want to be in a new place working with new materials. Right. Um, which is not quite the same as saying I want to fail, but I think I want the potential mm. for failure for unknown reasons. And it, like that is maybe a comfort to me. Interesting. Well, that goes back to your chaos, yeah. right? Like chaos could actually be um, not this sort of looming, glooming, you know, it actually, there could be some creativity that comes out of it or responsiveness that is possible if I'll, you allow I'll, yourself to go there. Yeah. A lot of my art is problem solving mm-hmm. and you need interesting problems to solve if, if that's, if that's your practice, right? Mm-hmm. So if my practice is about problem solving, it's about improvisation, there needs to be setups to enable things to happen. So if I'm in a perfectly manicured studio executing things out of my brain, maybe that is not relevant, but that's not most of how I work. Right. Um, that said, sometimes I need just it's like, I need a really glossy, high finished, like exact version of this. I'm going to try to lock myself into a very fixed studio situation to do that. Absolutely. Or something like music. To write a good song, I need to be out in the world. Um, and it might even be easier if there's like an ambulance going by when I'm recording the iPhone demo of it, right? But if you want to do like a really good recording of it, no, you want a perfectly controlled studio environment mm. to some degree. There's, right. there's, still, there's still room there for like analog things to happen that I think are important. Um, so it's a matter of degree and it'll be different for every person. But I would encourage people to stretch themselves to open up the potential for failure as part of their growth as an artist. If they want to grow as an artist, um, I do. I, I have never made an art piece where I've just said, oh, if I could just do this for ever, ever and ever, I'm happy. Right. I do see artists who seem to work that way though, mm. and more power to them. I mean, they really do seem to make the same painting for 50 years. I don't relate personally. Right. Um, for me, I want to live an interesting life for those 50 years and see what art happens in conjunction with that. Mm. Um, do you have any questions now that you've, you've put your, your materials away? Yeah. You're actually holding your own mic. It is getting cold. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, any questions for me or any last thoughts that you would like mm. to leave the listeners with? I like that we, we talked about this idea of process over product mm. and the practice, this word of practice in the context of art, like think about other meanings of that and you're practicing. Mm-hmm. Like when a musician practices, that's not the performance. And this idea that visual art can be can we can we can borrow from time-based art from that and we should talk to theater people we should talk to musicians we should be theater people and musicians maybe Mm. um because good things can come to even if it is just gonna end up as a painting on a wall um and probably the other way around actually i would ask you that Mm. as you're talking to more visual artists yeah how does that bounce back onto your your practice as a time-based artist? well i think thank you i i do I do think that I'm um, 
wheels are turning <laughs> in my head. And I, be, when we were walking down here, I was saying like, I, in my head, I think of myself as a practicing artist or a working artist, but I'm not actually making a living in that way. Um, and are I you making I art? Though? I am making art slowly. And I am going to go to an artist retreat at some point where I am going alone and I'm going to be making something. I don't know what it is. And so um, some of the, the ideas that we talked about here are actually starting to help churn some, um, like, <laughs> quieting the chaos for me and mm. by allowing myself to go into the chaos mm-hmm. um, of like I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm there and it's going to be okay that I don't know and it's going to be okay if nothing actually gets yielded out of those two weeks um, but the fact that I'm creating space for myself to allow whatever may come and that the, that idea of stream of consciousness could come in many forms whether it's writing or or write a uh, making um you know drawing or doodling or um just me sitting on a like for me i think actually this is my art form this is the this art interview. form that I, yeah, yeah like this is my art form that i'm building I, I buy that, and yeah. it's pra- and i'm practicing because yes. i definitely was not you know when i started on this it wasn't what it's it's morphing and i'm allowing it to morph like i've never had this kind of you know opportunity to be in a park and like watch somebody actually make art while we're talking that's really exciting to me and i like that 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 we have never done that before and that then now it's gotten it's getting me to start thinking in in different ways right um so i'm excited about um continuing to talk yes to to artists who are who work in other mediums than I personally do because it helps he- hearing how they're approaching the work, what they're creating, how they're creating, what they think about it, what questions they have helps me in my process and my journey. Absolutely. And I hope that this, I mean, this conversation and all, all your work as a, as the podcast artist, yes. but that helps listeners in their own, in their own work, be exposed to, to new ways of thinking and how each person's going to implement that, that's on them. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can't do that for everybody, mm-hmm. right? right? But this idea that I love, he- I guess I love hearing about other artists' processes and thought processes and just like how people make stuff mm-hmm. is so powerful and so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you're doing this about. Yes. So that's interesting to me. And I'm, I'm honored to have been asked Aww. about my part in that. <laughs> um, but everybody has their version of that and i would really just encourage anyone who is listening to this like you can be making art um and it does not have to be a lot at once it's really nice to make a lot at once i don't want to take that away from anybody but like you could start small a a doodle counts a a two-line joke counts changing the recipe a little bit when you cook dinner counts mm. that that to me is art that is the same thing as what i'm doing it's the same thing as what picasso did mm-hmm. it's um and whoever else we talked about mm-hmm. it's just the rest is a matter of, of details and degree and scale but right. it is the same thing I, I i really believe that and and the more i go through the world the more i realize just like okay everything i do i can think about it this way right and that's a positive Jason. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Me too. Um, thank, thank you so much for having yeah, me. Thank yeah. you so much for being, uh, for sharing your craft with me 
real time and for for all your little nuggets of advice and suggestions and I don't know you have like cool little like and then this <laughs> oh, <I laughs> little terms so. and little sayings I, I want to like. throw one quick thing in I realized sure. about making the artwork while you witnessed it mm. if you had told me oh can you go make five sketches that we'll put up alongside the podcast this and that I would have been so stressed out I would have done them I would have come through but it would have been painful and aggravating mm. but sketching them while we were here together that was perfect that was I don't want to say easy like I was working but but that was the good the good work right yeah so actually it was easier to do it the hard way because it was my way your way is the hard way so find your way uh, you know uh, and change your way Thank you for listening to episode 25, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Jason Das, Find Your Way. Join us next time for a special collaboration with the Rosé All Day Anyways podcast. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. John O'Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry and on Instagram at teaching artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.